Hello and welcome to The Launch Sequence, your comedy podcast about adulting, millennials, and the life of a soon-to-be ex-college student. We're coming to you live from the Scarf and Binder Studios here at Westmont College. I'm here with my co-host, Micah Anthony. Guten Tag! On this episode of the podcast, we try actually applying our majors, ponder precipitation, and fail the SAT reading comprehension test. Alright, before we get to the meat of the show, it's time for the 10-second check-in. Because starting a podcast is enough of an ego boost, you only have 10 seconds to tell me about your week, Micah. Ready? Set? Go. So, this week, I thought I had more work to do than I actually did, which was really stressful at first, but then I found out that it was I didn't actually have to do a lot of the work that I was doing, which and, uh- threw... <laughs> All right, Andrew. To spare our long-suffering listeners, you only have 10 seconds to tell me about your week. Ready, set, go. Got a couple of final projects coming up, so having to plan those out. Got a really nice planner that's really pretty, and so I'm actually getting some handle on all of my workload, um, but yet it still seems to be piling up. Nope, you have to stop. You're not allowed to keep going. (laughs) Uh. Next up, our recurring section, Ramen and Rhyme, featuring the first and last time Micah uses his literature major in a semi-professional capacity. Each of us have written a poem with the same title. We have not yet heard each other's poems. We will read them out loud and then interpret them on the fly. Uh, Poetry is subjective and all that. Sort of. This week's poem is an ode to our home state. The title of this week's poem is Californians and Rain. A subtle noise, like the rush of the freeway, but from above. The air full of moisture, as if the sky were full of sprinklers, And the world, a bathroom mirror, misted with condensation. Is it some inexplicable sin, or else some wondrous miracle that causes water from the sky? Oh God, it's everywhere. What do we do? I don't own an umbrella. Never needed to. Mm. You know, I really love that imagery of, like, the 101, the freeway, that's just really near and dear to my heart, because... In the same way that you get stuck on the 101 and you can't really do anything about it, Californians just don't know what to do with rain. (laughs) When it comes, there's flooding and everyone drives terrible. When it's not there, there's nothing we seem to do to change that. So in the same way that being stuck on a freeway, I think that's a good metaphor for Californians' relationship to rain. Thank you, thank you. I I, I was proud of that image. (laughs) All right. Californians and rain. Californians go panicking one by one. Hurrah. Hurrah. Californians go panicking one by one. Hurrah, hurrah. Californians go panicking one by one. The little one stops to get an artisanal bun. And they all go marching down to the ground to get out of the rain. Crash, boom, bang. The Californians go racing two by two. Hurrah, hurrah. The Californians go racing two by two. Hurrah, hurrah. The Californians go racing two by two. The little one stops to ask, is this homebrew? And they all go marching down (laughs) to the ground to get out of the rain. Crash, boom, bang. The Californians go swerving three by three. Hurrah, hurrah. The Californians go swerving three by three. Hurrah, hurrah. The Californians go swerving three by three. The little one stops to ask, is this GMO free? <laughs> and they all go swerving around on the ground because they can't drive in the rain. Crash, boom, bang. 
Well, Andrew, I'll I'll give you this. When when you commit to a joke, you commit to a joke. Um that uh, that that was delightful. Um all the little touches of, you know, the little Californiaisms. Um I will say on a darker note, I I enjoyed the implicit allusion to uh human beings as ants. But I also just spent the last hour talking about Chekhov in my theater history class, so uh, that that might be a little bit of fallout from that. <laughs> He's Russian, right? He is Russian. He wrote The Cherry Orchard. It's about, you know, sadness. <laughs> he <laughs> he wrote plays about, about sadness and, and futility. That's the Russians. That's the Russians. Everything is about land and sadness. Having opened with the humanities, let's put on our liberal arts caps for some cross-disciplinary thinking. That's right. It's time for a segment we're calling Integrating the Major Discipline. For all of you who have not recently had to triple-check your graduation requirements, Integrating the Major Discipline is pompous academic speak for actually using all the stuff you copied off the whiteboard. Mike and I will each outline two or three actually applicable life lessons or skills we've learned from our academic coursework. So tell me, what have all those dead poets been teaching you, Micah? Uh, one of the biggest takeaways from, from my lit major, uh, I think, has been sort of the, the skill of listening to human stories mm. different from your own. Um, one of my favorite uses for, for both poetry and theater um, is uh, kind of as empathy practice. So it's like, Practice listening to usually fictional characters and, and practice empathizing with them. And I think that builds a skill of doing so, you know, with actual real people, which I think is very important. Um, also, it's a really great way of, you know, getting information that is outside my sphere of knowledge, outside the realm of things that I can know for example, I will never personally experience life as a woman of color, say, mm. but I can read poetry by women of color. And, yeah. you know, if I approach that trying to, to listen and to empathize, I can gain some sense, you know, sort of start to, um, you know, get a sense of that experience. Yeah, there's a great line from someone who says, like, I read so I can live a thousand lives. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, I think you're right that like that, that might that might be Mark Twain. I'm not sure. <laughs> there's a lot there's of Mark Twain. There's, there's a lot of Mark Twain quotes. Mark Twain. Not all of them are good like that. Um, and then the the other one, and this is uh, a little less feely and a little more practical. Um, learn how, like learning how to identify an implicit argument, because a lot of times people will say or write something, and there's an argument hidden in there. They're, they're like, there's an argument buried in what they're saying and they don't make it explicit. So learning the skill of recognizing first that an argument is being made and then secondly, like being able to tease that argument out when it's not stated explicitly, like as a thesis, you know, um, is, is really helpful just for, you know, existing in a society where we have to talk about things <laughs> with each other. Ugh, communication. Communication. Theoretically, it's supposed to happen. Theoretically. Um, look, just speaking of communication, one of the things we often talk about um, in political science is framing uh, as one of the main competitions in politics. So a frame is basically, in some ways, it's a narrative um, or a kind of 
phrasing uh, or, or framing of the values at play or the issues at stake, even we're looking at the same thing. Um, this is in some way often a verbal battle. For example, is it the you know Schumer shutdown or is Trump <laughs> refusing to you know help the dreamers? Right, mm-hmm. um, and and that's really trying to like who's at fault? Trying to prove a narrative there. Um, for stuff like the flag protest um, during the NFL games, mm-hmm. is it um, is it free like there, is it a free speech issue or is it an issue of patriotism? Um, and so these are competing frames of the same kind of event, mm-hmm. um, and we're competing ways to construct a story. Um, there's underlying value judgments in that, mm-hmm. um, and you're really trying to use the same facts to tell a different narrative. And so one of the things to learn when both listening to people talk, uh, but also in, in politics, is how what are the competing frames for this issue, and what in what ways are they trying to get either through source cues, which is using things you already relate to, like names like Obama or Trump, <laughs> you know, yeah. to get you to buy into their framing of the issue. Um, as a biologist, one uh, and as a as a scientist in general, it's very important <laughs> life lesson: um, data is not the plural of anecdote. So the fact your friend once had some experience or something worked for you does not actually mean that it is true across the board or true in general. I am not a biologist nor a scientist, but I'll second that one. <laughs> um, and then finally, as a newspaper editor um, and someone who has to edit a lot of people's uh, writing, particularly kind of informative writing, is you have about three lines and a headline to convince me to read your article, uh, and otherwise you've, you've lost me. Um, so I spent a lot of time with my writers getting the most important information up front um, and mm-hmm. making their introduction um, captivating. So both trying as an editor to write good headlines and also teaching them to write good introductions. So kids, you got three lines to convince me to keep reading your paper. Yeah, uh, you and I pursue very different forms of writing in, in, in a lot of ways. But uh, yeah, don't get bogged down in your introduction. Uh, get to the point and start saying the things you came here to say. <laughs> and and make make the if you have to get bogged down, make it at least interesting writing to get bogged down in. Yes, yes. All right, listeners. For those of you currently in college, buried deep in the repressed part of your memory is the SATs. Oof. On that wonderfully purgatorial test, there is a section called reading comprehension. Well, today we're going to fail that section in a segment we're calling "You Read the Spark Notes, Didn't You." Rules are as follows. We have each prepared a list of books or films that we think the other person has read. One person will call out the title of the works, and the other will try to give a a one or two sentence summary that is technically correct, but fails to grasp the value or meaning of the text. All right, Micah. I'm ready. 101 Dalmatians. Uh, Puppies are friends, not food. Uh, (laughs) uh, Clothing. (laughs) Titanic. Um, fall in love on land, it's safer. <laughs> also, they definitely could have both survived on that plank of wood. The Hobbit. Uh, we're going on an adventure! Because a wizard said so? <laughs> Hamlet? Oi. Uh, indecisive college student fails to do that thing his dad asked for a long time. <laughs> Aragon. Uh... I'm a medieval superhero with a dragon. <laughs> the Avengers. I'm a superhero <laughs> without a dragon. Sesame Street. How should we teach children letters and numbers and how to exist in society? I know, with adorable fluffy puppet monsters. <laughs> Doctor Who. 
I have not actually ever watched Doctor Who, but uh, I'm gonna say there's an immortal guy who is sometimes David Tennant, who has a phone booth that's bigger on the inside. Uh, also, there's those creepy statue things that I've heard a lot about. Speaking of creepy, H.P. Lovecraft's mythos. Ah, how do we teach children that life is meaningless with giant, terrifying, extra-dimensional monsters? Pride and Prejudice. It's kind of like The Bachelor. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's all I've got. Well done. Thank you, thank you. All right. Ready? Yes. Moana. It's like Pocahontas, but with Pacific Islanders. The West Wing. Um, it's like politics, except everyone's liberal, great, and Democrat fever dream. <laughs> Les Miserables. Uh, the thing you will probably quote to all of your theater friends at one point or the other, also, man arrested for loaf of bread. The Star Wars prequel trilogy. Um, <laughs> everyone hates Jar Jar Binks. Also, wizard. Cinderella. Child abuse isn't okay, but the prince will come. Wow. Hamilton. Best civics class ever taught. Captain America. Nerd skips leg day and arm day and still gets ripped. (laughs) Theseus and the Minotaur. Make sure to change your sails at some point when coming home so your dad doesn't kill himself. That was a really niche reference. Aladdin. (laughs) Orientalism! (laughs) It goes on throughout history. The Tempest. Terrible singing. Um, um, Man is terrible matchmaker and don't enslave fairies? Yeah. All right. Apologies to our listeners for whoever is singing that happened there. It's okay, it's not a music podcast. <laughs> uh, I swear I had vocal training at some point. Well, <laughs> this is the part of the show where we take listener questions and get a chance to soapbox as the jaded seniors we are. Welcome to a segment we're calling... Sarcastic Senior Soapbox. Because we're so close to graduating, we must know something. All right, Micah. This comes from a classmate, of, two classmates of ours, Hugh... And Peter, do you stand by your opinion that your coffee is really the best in Santa Barbara? You know, I I have two competing impulses in answering this question. On the one hand, I should probably walk back that statement because it's probably untrue. On the other hand, I've said it and I feel like I should commit to it. So I'm going to go ahead and say yes. Yes, I do. I will stand by that statement. Andrew, I'm going to ask you a series of questions on food from our podcast teammate, Izzy Mata. Hi, Izzy. Waffles or pancakes? Uh, Waffles. Opinion on fruitcake? Never had it? Is it a controversy? We'll come back to that. Favorite kind of muffin? Um, The giant chocolate ones from Costco that they would bring to youth group and probably have more calories than the human needs in a day. Yeah. Best pasta shape? Angel hair? Best pasta sauce? Um, vodka. And not for the reason <laughs> Opinion on Reese's Pieces? It's like less of a Reese's, but 
in smaller pieces. They're really good, though. I actually haven't had them. Really? Yeah, although Reese's I'm, is my favorite candy. I'm going to have to buy you some Reese's pieces. I'd like to go back and talk about fruitcake for a moment. Okay, yes, please explain the fruitcake controversy to me. So, it's kind of bad, <laughs> but it's also like a traditional like holidays thing. Is there fruit in the cake? Um, I it's it's been a long time. So I, I think, like it, it's it's a traditional winter dish, right? So, like there wouldn't actually be fruit growing, so it's like preserved fruit, and the store bought preserved fruit is like cut up and like crystallized and dyed funny colors, and it's kind of not good. Only context I know fruitcake is like, he's a fruitcake, like he is crazy or he's silly. There's also that. I also think it's like really, really preserved so it doesn't spoil, which is kind of sketchy. So it's like a historical Twinkie. Kinda. But they sometimes soak it in alcohol, so you got that going for you. All right, Micah. Uh, What topic could you talk about for two hours? Or what two topics could you? What two topics? Um, probably waiting for Godot. Okay, which is like two, maybe three hours in of itself. Uh, yeah, which would be two or three hours in and of itself. And my thoughts on tabletop games. Those are those are two things I can talk about for two definitely hours. Definitely talked about tabletop games for like two hours. Oh yeah, Andrew, what two topics could you talk about for two hours? Hmm. I would definitely add tabletop games, but I'll come up with with two Mm -hmm. new ones. Mm -hmm. I think, one, the underlying value judgments with various political positions. Mm. Um, I really enjoy dissecting that with people. Yeah, you do. And then probably whatever play or book I've read, like um, really good extended universe Star Wars, I can go off on a long time <laughs> about how they can actually handle complex themes um, in a way um, that others can't. Um, like, just Star Wars 8 was terrible writing, come fight me, podcast listener. Wow, that's a, that's a bold sentence right there. In honor of the Kentuckis boys, Andrew, who is your favorite Star Wars character? Oh, this is actually fairly difficult. <laughs> it's like picking between my favorite children. Wow. While Andrew has a minor crisis over there, I will say that I like C-3PO a lot. I I identify with him. I I like C-3PO. I think he's he he sort of gets short shrift in the more recent films. He's just kind of there to be there because you have to include C-3PO. And I I miss C-3PO and R2-D2 stuck in the desert talking about, you know, suffering is our lot in life. <laughs> Ineffectual robot flailing. Ineffectual robot flailing. I'm a big fan. Um, from the actual movies, uh, probably Qui-Gon Jinn, particularly because he's a really interesting character in, in some of the novels, his philosophy on... On violence, it's I think it's interesting to see kind of the Jedi of kind of the old guard before they kind of became uh, warriors in, uh, and kind of generals. Uh, and then I think Thrawn um, is a fascinating ah. character from Timothy Zahn's Heir to the Empire series. Um, he's kind of like a Sherlock Holmes, except he's an admiral. Um, but he's a fascinating character to look through the eyes of the world. And there's a great novel out um, just called Thrawn, where he's more heroic and less of like a grand admiral. It's kind of a prequel uh, in the new canon. 
Um, and he's a fascinating character to read in the same way that, like, listening to Sherlock Holmes dissect the world, um, listening to him discuss tactics or the, you know, imperial hierarchy is, is a great, great time. So, Micah. Yes. In honor of people everywhere asking funny questions at dinner parties, cats or dogs? You know, I think that's a more complicated question than you intended. Are you going to reject my binary here? No, I'm not. Um, I like cats a lot. Um, I think when I grow up and have my own place, I I might seek out, you know, getting a cat. But I have not ever owned a cat before. Uh, My dad's allergic and my mom does not like cats. So we had several wonderful, amazing, adorable dogs growing up. So, I mean, kind of both. Okay. Yeah. I guess I ended up accidentally rejecting your binary, didn't I? But that's okay. Both. Good college student there. Thank you. Uh, Andrew, is the shotgun seat the divine right of the firstborn? Yes. Oh, wow. Hello, Christopher. So Andrew and I are both eldest children. Um, and I actually, my brother and I switch off. We, we trade off the, uh, the front seat. Now that he's almost, my, my younger brother's almost in college, I'm a little bit more okay. But every time I'm in the back seat and he's in the front seat, and like he and mom are talking, it feels very unsettling to me. <laughs> because like, that was always, always my position. I think up until up until you could discuss philosophy seriously with your younger sibling, the the older sibling still has a divine right to the the front seat. That's a that's a good. I like that. That's that's a good criteria. All right. Um, this is a question courtesy of my mother. Um, Hi, Ms. Olson. Most of us, um, or both of us, are older siblings. So, what is the worst thing about being an older sibling? Being the default responsible one? <laughs> yes. That's that's all I'll say about that. This question comes from our friend Lizzie. What would you blow lots of money on if you were really rich? So aside from the, like, save the children, you know, <laughs> go on trips with my family, um, I would build a tower on, on my house that's like a library. And so all the inside shelves are books, like book, bookshelves, and then there'd be like a spiral staircase ladder on the outside, and you have a top story with like a couch and like maybe a telescope, um, and then you put a fire on the like lower story so you can like, and then put a, put like a maybe like a card table on there. I want to have a separate like maybe board game room with like a nice nice table, but something you could like play some cards and and have have a drink. Um, I would just blow money on like nice paper. And reading oh, materials. Oh, oh yeah. I want to visit your house someday. <laughs> You'll probably be invited. <laughs> Thanks. Um, I think I would spend money on really, really good food. Yeah. Just amazing food. <laughs> How bohemian. You can't see my face right now because this is not a visual medium, but I am almost in tears. <laughs> One of the few times I've seen Micah cry, besides serious emotional moments, is eating really good, like, crab pasta over a, over a break. Just, just took a bite, 
Tears welled up in his eyes. He saw the light. Life fell into place. Okay, okay. So, so you're mocking you, you're mocking me, and I'm sure all of you are laughing at me. But you don't know this seriously. Like they talk about, you know, in Greek mythology, they talk about the gods feasting on nectar and ambrosia. This was nectar and ambrosia. This was food fit for the gods. And to be fair, I stole a couple pieces. And probably had a minor meltdown as well. You did. It Don't was, laugh at me. It was good. You were doing it too. <laughs> well, every podcast needs some sponsors. And since we're the one podcast Audible hasn't sponsored yet, this episode was sponsored by... The composer of The Ants Go Marching One by One for creating that one catchy song that Andrew turned into a poem and accidentally called Humans Insects. <laughs> This episode brought to you by Crab Pasta. Crab Pasta, the best kind of revelation since the New Testament. Well, thank you for listening to us while ironing your super suit, overthrowing the patriarchy, or whatever more meaningful task you combined with this podcast. We would love suggestions for poem titles, questions, advice, and sarcastic senior soapbox. Please send your suggestions to our team at thelaunchsequencepodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook or hit us up on Twitter at launchseekpod. That's launch, S-E-Q, pod. Sound design and editing for the launch sequence was done by Mark Carlson, and our logo was designed by Izzy Mata. Until next time, I'm Andrew Olson. And I'm Micah Anthony, and this has been The The Launch Launch Sequence. Sequence.